Well, hello and welcome to this week's A Photographic Life. There's a particularly dark, um, I suppose, joke that goes like this. What's the difference between an 18-inch deep-crust pizza and a photographer? Well, the pizza can feed a family of four. In these dark times, uh, money and finance really has come to the fore for many people. And those struggling uh, before are really struggling now. And those perhaps who were doing okay and, and in fact doing very well are suddenly faced with a reality that perhaps they've never faced before. Anyway, the theme, I suppose, if there's ever a theme to this podcast this week is money and finance. And the reason for that is because a number of things have occurred over the last week that seem to kind of all link up to me. The first of which, um, we talk a lot, well, I talk a lot about paid for um, portfolio reviews and all sorts of this pay to play. Well, I suppose one of those parts, which which is a little bit of a grey area, is that idea of workshops and paying for workshops. I have no problem whatsoever with photographers and people with great experience um, running workshops and charging for them. One of the great stories, I suppose, of one of my my uh, heroes is Alexei Brodovich, the great art director from Harper's Bazaar, who every summer would run a summer school with photographers like Diane Arbus and Richard Avedon and Hero and uh, Tony Ray Jones and all sorts of photographers attending that summer school and getting a huge amount from it. In fact, there's another story I know um, told to me uh, by somebody who actually used to attend that Brodovich would run evening classes uh, in New York in the early 1960s and he'd leave a, a hat at the uh, at the door for you to put a few coins in anyway that idea of paying for experience teaching and learning is all good with me however this week i saw this that magnum that great photographic agency that represents so many important photographers really i feel prostituting themselves even further than they actually have a a tendency to do, I'm afraid. Anyway, they were running one-hour consultations uh, with any member of the Magnum uh, Agency. Any photography you wanted would be available for you for a one-hour session. Wow, pretty good, huh? For $350 an hour. One-hour online chat with a photographer who you is your hero $350. Now, for me, this is just terrible in so many ways. It just completely lacks empathy and understanding of the situation that photographers find themselves in. $350 is a month's food or more than a month's food. To spend it on, on a one-hour online chat, it just doesn't make sense to me. I raised this issue and somebody came back to me and said, well, you know, it doesn't have to be photographers. It could just be people with money. Well, great. But why then is that photographer uh, represented by Magnum going to be interested in that person's work? It feels to me as if it's undermining the quality of that photographer's work and the Magnum agency even more. I think we really have got to stop these initiatives by just not engaging with them. So that was one of the things that came up over the last week. Uh, another thing was this. Um, 
Somebody else commented again on social media that if you're a photographer, you've got to keep spending money all the time on photographic equipment, up to $20,000 every couple of years. Now, I question this as well. <laughs> Maybe I've been in a questioning mood this week. But um, my reason for that was because as a working photographer, the last time I spent any uh, kind of amount of money close to that was 2006. We're talking 14 years since I spent 16,000 uh, UK pounds on a, on a set of cameras to move me from analog to digital. I still use those original Canon 5Ds today. They're regularly serviced. They do everything I need. Okay, they don't work in the dark. They don't have that huge ISO capability and they don't have uh, moving image functionality, but I have a few other cameras that can do that. But I certainly don't pay anything like that $20,000 every couple of years. It was pointed out to me that if you're a sports photographer, you had to. And maybe that's the case. I don't know. I haven't had a chance yet to talk to a sports photographer to see what they think. Obviously, the initial investment is there in specific lenses and all sorts of uh, Wi-Fi functionalities. But, you know, that takes us into sports photography. On a general basis, the rule is, I think, that professional photographers actually don't spend that money, much money on cameras. We may regularly have to update our computer systems, our storage systems, maybe our software but certainly the idea that you have to pay to play by buying expensive equipment to make you a professional photographer is to me as dishonest and as inaccurate as it is to think that you have to pay $350 an hour to learn from a Magnum photographer to make you a better photographer. I suppose we're now entering what would ordinarily have been festival season. Glastonbury was all set to go and all manner of music festivals uh, would be happening all over the world um, at this time from kind of early mid-spring onwards. Of course, they're not happening. But it brings to mind a, a discussion I had recently about festivals and photography festivals. And I've never really understood uh, photography festivals i've got to be honest the reason is this in my mind a festival should be fun it should be a celebration of a whole range of different approaches to uh, an art form whether it's an art festival or whether it's a, a literary festival and at a literary festival you will have novelists and you'll have uh, people writing factual books and cookbooks and all sorts of children's books they would all be there at that literary festival the Hay Festival is a great example of that, as is the Cheltenham Literature Festival, both just down the road from me. But for some reason, photo festivals seem to think they have to be very worthy. They have to be very serious. They have to be curated and take on these kind of weighty issues. They just aren't fun to me. And I was talking to somebody recently about this, and it does seem to be, and this person actually confirmed my belief that to get the funding for these festivals, there are too many boxes that need to be ticked. Uh, boxes to do with agendas outside of photography. That funding comes through once the boxes are ticked. 
and we end up with the kind of very worthy photo festivals that we so often see. I've been to a couple. I've not enjoyed them, really, to be honest with you. The Brighton Festival has the the fringe element, which is great, and I've been part of that a couple of times. But um, overall, and I've had again had this confirmed, they seem to be places where the same old people turn up every time with the same kind of worthy intent. So here's a call out for a fun photo festival. I'm going to look into this i'm going to look into the independent sector of the photographic community putting something together that's fun with multiple stages with lots of opportunities to look at all kinds of photography and discover things you didn't know was the thing you were interested in with pop-up food and just fun maybe a children's area at that that photo festival Anyway, I'm going to look into this and maybe it'll happen um, when we get back to the new normal. But in the meantime, if you're involved with creating a photo festival, can I just please ask you to consider one word? That one word is fun. Last week, our contribution to what does photography mean to me came from uh, Northern Ireland. This week, we just jump across the Irish Sea to Scotland and Liverpool to hear from Colin McPherson. Colin is a Scottish documentary photographer based in the northwest of England who began his career in photojournalism, working on assignments and commissions for the independent newspaper uh, back in the days when it really was something special and other publications for the following 20 years. In recent times, he has developed his work to include longer-term projects, filmmaking, writing and hosting running creative professional development courses. He is a founder member of the Document Scotland Collective, through which his work has been shown at exhibitions at the the Scottish National Portrait Gallery, the Impressions Gallery in Bradford, the Martin Parr Foundation and street-level photoworks in Glasgow. He is also a member of 6x6, a group of Merseyside-based documentary photographers who came together in 2019 to facilitate exhibitions, events and discussions about documentary photography in their part of the world and beyond. McPherson's current work includes ongoing projects looking at a unique community of wild swimmers and chronicling the rituals of people who faithfully support lower league football in England. In 1989, the political scientist and author Francis Fukuyama asked whether we had reached the end of history. In the wake of the seismic events which had swept the world and torn down the divisions between East and West, his contention then was that nothing more was up for grabs because the Western economic and social model had won And this was part of the linear progression which took humanity from one epoch to another, this one being the last. Fast forward three decades, and it is my contention now that we are living through the end of photography. I say this not because I think photography as an art form, practice, hobby or commercial opportunity is about to die, but rather because of the different rules of engagement which exist today. One obvious example of this is in the shift in balance away from the photographer, the individual curator, as the primary driver of her or his own destiny. Due to the ongoing changes in arts funding in the UK, for example, the photographer now finds her or himself beholden to the priorities, some would say whims, prejudices or tastes, 
of an ever-growing army of what is termed gatekeepers. Don't get me wrong, these people and institutions and organisations and galleries they represent have always existed. It has always been one of the main challenges for the photographer to be able to figuratively scale the walls, climb the ramparts or storm the citadel. These days, in the backwash of austerity and the ever-increasing competition for ever-dwindling resources, the photographer is discovering that being an army of one pits her or himself in an unequal war. The end of photography, therefore, is being administered, mediated and directed not by the photographer. Our struggle to liberate some of the resources we need to continue our practice has never felt more demanding and onerous. More often than not, we encounter the same resistance, that our ideas, approach and practice must reflect and align with the rules set by the people who are dispensing the largesse. In other words, they make the rules of the sport. And for us to have, as the more modern jargon puts it, a skin in the game, the photographer must sacrifice the purity of their idea, approach or practice to satisfy the other side. In the era of the end of photography, a vast industry of gatekeepers have sprung up, from curators to administrators, community facilitators to lecturers, teachers and critics. The internet has never made it more easy than it is today to share and disseminate our ideas, opinions and work. The corollary of this is that photography proliferates in an unregulated and sprawling way. Gatekeepers, so the story goes, are required to make some sense of what this means, to shape what photography looks like and to provide a clear and decipherable narrative for audiences who have become the unwitting kings, or pawns, in this fight for the distribution and administration of resources. So what can the photographer do to fight back? My own personal experiences might provide some with an answer, although I understand this approach is not for everyone. In 2012, I was one of the founding members of the Document Scotland Collective. Although the four original founders were principally drawn together by the simple idea that we wanted to record one of the most pivotal times in our nation's modern history, we quickly discovered that by having one coherent voice, people looked at and listened to us. We've been very fortunate, therefore, to be able to have engaged with many of the gatekeepers on what feels like a more equal footing. We all as individuals had successful careers in photography behind us, of course. This made our representations more compelling and our successes more likely, but still the odds were against us. More recently, I became involved with a group of fellow photographers based in Merseyside, where I live. Six by Six was established last year to maintain the voice of documentary practice and to initiate conversations and stage events and exhibitions which would showcase diverse and often unrepresented work to a local audience. The response has been phenomenal. The next step will be to resource this enterprise, something we all know will present huge challenges. Within a few short months of establishing 6x6, it has become clear once again to me that coordinated, collaborative action, while not being a panacea, certainly offers the individual practitioner the support and networking opportunities not readily dispensed elsewhere. I would encourage every photographer, from whatever background, to look at models of cooperation and collaboration, however loosely they are formed, amongst fellow photographers. Ultimately, it is us and not others who are living the life. Charles Darwin's On the Origin of Species tells us that rather than a higher authority existing which controls our destiny 
and directs us to some ethereal perfection. We are a product of our past and are shaped by our current environment. This is certainly true of photography, that two-dimensional art form which exists in a three-dimensional world. The end of photography, like the end of history, tells us that this is what the future looks like. We cannot change it, therefore we must adapt and survive. And survive we will. That is what photography means to me. Thank you, Colin, for a fantastically informed, considered, um, passionate, and I've got to be honest, um, from my perspective, absolutely spot-on contribution this week. Regular listeners will know that I'm constantly talking about the importance of collaboration, of taking control and taking responsibility. Colin also dealing with a number of issues there around finance. I'm not going to pick them out for you. I'm sure they were clear enough and I'm sure you can also make connections with what I was saying at the beginning of this week's podcast. As a gatekeeper, a term I also absolutely hate and actually never really heard until the last few years. As a gatekeeper, as an art director, I used to see my role as being one of, um, I suppose, providing a platform, encouraging people, giving people a chance, taking risks. It's never, and it was never about my personal choice. I didn't just commission photographers whose work I liked. It was because I thought it was important to show a variety of work. As a lecturer now, I suppose I'm still a gatekeeper. And in a way, this podcast itself has an element of gatekeeper niche or niss, whatever, to it in that I choose photographers each week to come on. But as I say, we really welcome everybody. We are a very, very broad democratic church here on this podcast. And in my teaching, it's also a reflection of that. So I suppose what I'm really saying this week to end up this podcast is you can be a gatekeeper, but you don't have to be a gatekeeper that follows these rules of ticking boxes. You can actually be somebody who's part of the community, who's passionate, who's independent, and who feels a need to share and allow people's voices to be heard. And that, for me, is the point of everything we do to ensure that people's voices are heard. It's not for me to put the block on someone just because I don't agree with them, because I don't like their work, or because I don't like them as a person. What's important for me is that that person is willing to engage in a conversation, a dialogue, and I suppose most importantly, be open-minded to listen as well as to speak. Anyway, that's it for this week. Um, Another strange week has gone by. Let's hope that we will return to normal soon. But whatever we do, whatever what normal is, please make sure that you take care.